by you that you are great and you are mighty. You're strong in our midst and we thank you, Lord, that we can pray like the Bible said, one for another. And you'll meet people's needs and you'll work in their lives. And so we thank you for today. Thank you for great things coming to pass and answers to prayers and changes in hearts, Lord, and in lives. In Jesus' name. We're going to sing another song right now and let's just focus on the Lord. And if you're here today and you need prayer, we do this at different times. Just invite people to come down for prayer because the Bible said we can pray for one another. So if you need prayer, if you're facing something or whatever, well, the rest of us are worshiping God. You can just come down front. There will be somebody down here, either myself or Pastor Linda, will pray with you. And God will meet your need and he'll work in your life. But just be bold and make a stand. Amen. Let, let's worship him. to get them into a good place to receive and, and have things happen in their life. Many times discontentment can be God working in somebody. You with me? Being totally discontented where they're at. Just totally dissatisfied where they're at. And, and it can be just something in them that starts calling out to Him and desiring a change. And it's a place where then they'll call out to God and say, I'm discontented. I don't like where I'm at. And they just think, well, there's something wrong with me. It might be just a cry from within inside, something God's working in you, so you'll call out to Him. I'll tell you what, God can do a lot in a little bit of time, but I guarantee you this, God's been working in people this week to get ready just for this morning. Go ahead and greet somebody there by you. If you don't know them, introduce yourself. Good to see you guys this morning. Glad you're here. God has wonderful things for us today, and He has good things for you and us as a church. If you need a Bible, you can raise your hand, and we'll loan you one of our Bibles. You can just leave it in the seat when you're uh, done with it. A lot of good things happening, and uh, if you will, open up your Bibles, because that's what we came here, right? To, to find out what God has to say to us. How many of you know He'll deal with you on the inside, not just in the pages? But the pages will come alive. Turn to John 16. And uh, once you get to John 16, we're going to bow our heads and pray John 16. And uh, once I get it get there. Let's go ahead and bow our heads and we'll pray. Father, thank you for today and thank you for dealing with us. Lord, speak through me. Deal with people's hearts. Thank you, Lord, for the changes that are occurring in our lives and in this church now and in this time we're in. Thank you for working, speaking, moving in our midst today. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, um, there's just been some things reoccurring, and as I was praying, it just seemed good to go this way today, and I want to talk about a new day, what it is in the Bible to have a new day, you know, and when we talk about a new day, we're not talking about a Tuesday or a Friday, you know, like the Bible said, you know, today is the day of salvation, 
and people say today is the day of salvation, that doesn't mean on Tuesday or today Sunday. It literally means a time frame. In other words, when Jesus died and rose again, from the day he rose again till the day he comes back is the day of salvation. But you say, well, that's thousands of years. Right. A day is really many times in the Bible as a span of time or an era. Like Jesus said, you know, uh, in that day you'll ask me nothing. He didn't mean next Friday. You know, like when people say things like, you know, back in my day, that doesn't mean last Thursday, right? Back in my day, like you just had one day. No, we mean back in my day, like back when I was in high school. It was a span of time. Or back in the day, you know, you hear those terms, back in the old days, you know, back in that day and age. Day in the Bible is not always a 24-hour period. Now, there are times where it's a 24-hour period, like when God made the, the heavens and the earth. Those were 24-hour periods. You know, there's argument, but how can you argue when he had the sun and the moon as a clock? You know, after so many days, as he's doing it, he puts the sun there and puts the, the moon there to, to divide the time and the days and the seasons. Well, that thing, we know how the whole thing rotates and we know what the time frame is. So 24 hours. But there are times in the Bible it talks about a day or a new day. And in 2 Peter, there's a scripture, and we're not going to turn there in the first chapter in the 19th verse. The Bible tells us to give attention to God's truth until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. And what he's talking about there is giving time to the Word of God until the Word of God gets in you, and once it gets in you and you know that truth, It'll change your life in that area. And isn't that true? Like somebody finds out about the Lord, they accept the truth in their heart, they receive the Lord, and they get saved. You could say there's a new day ahead for them. What does that mean? The old way of life is gone. It's a new way of life. It's a new era. It's a new time for them. How long will that last till they die? Or till the Lord comes back. But it's a new day. And so here in John uh, 16, 19, uh, he talks about a new day. And he talks about how that there would be a change from sorrow and grief and discouragement. And where enemies would be rejoicing. And they would no longer rejoice. But they would rejoice. And then he talks about in this day... He talks about how now, from this time on, you can get answers to your prayers on a regular basis by doing a certain thing in this day. And so what's he talking about? A time frame. Let's read. Uh, John 16, 19, it says, Now Jesus knew that they desired to ask him, because they had asked, he had made some statements. They wanted to know. They weren't sure exactly what he was saying. And he said to them, are you inquiring among yourselves about what I said a little while and you will not see me? And again, a little while and you will see me? Most assuredly, I say to you that you will weep, you will lament, you know, you're going to cry, you're going to carry on, but the world will rejoice. You know, the evil powers, the people influenced by them were quite excited to see Jesus killed. And it said, and you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. In other words, there's coming a time when there's going to be a change. They didn't even, I don't even know if they heard that. They were just so bummed out. You read the context of the story. I mean, they were, they didn't even listen to certain things. If you read the whole context, there were certain things that he said and it said they didn't hear or didn't really pay attention because sorrow had filled their heart. You know, sometimes people can get so full of sorrow in certain things, they just get blinded to other things. And they start missing out on things. And Jesus wanted to let them know there was a change that was just about to occur. And he said to them, 
He said, verse 21, a woman, when she is in labor, has sorrow. And he's trying to share with them something happening in their life, something that was occurring or about to occur. And he said, because her hour has come. But as soon as she has given birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish. need to think about that. You know, I've met people and said, you know, I had a horrible year last year. I had a horrible six months. Anybody ever had a time like that in their life where they said, man, I, that, I don't want to relive that. Nobody's ever been like that. Well, there's, <laughs> Pastor Linda's been there. And, um, but you think about it. All people face things in life, whether it's a week or a month or something like that, or sometimes longer. Because in this world, the Bible said we will have tribulation. But he said, be of good cheer, we'll overcome. But sometimes you can be so distanced from that time in your life, you, you almost forget about it because of what is happening now. You with me? Many people see people uh, get a business, start a business, and then they, they see the success of it, and they're like, that's what I want to do. And then the person who started the business said, yeah, it's good right here, but there was a day when it wasn't so much like that. You with me? I heard one time this preacher who is nationally known he, he had uh, been ministering and doing some stuff, and they, they, some people said to him, they said, man, you just sprung up on the, thing, on the scene just overnight. And he just answered back, and he said, that was the longest night I ever had. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, you can be in a place, and the place could be changing. You with me? And, and a new day can be dawning. A new day can dawn because of many reasons in a believer's life. One, because the truth gets inside of them. And once they believe that truth and act on it, the Bible said they'll know the truth and the truth will make them free. And what held them before, maybe it was guilt, condemnation, whatever it was, they're free. It's a new day. It's a new way of living. You can be like that. Doesn't matter what it is. I mean, any bondage, any affliction, anything, when that truth gets in and you know it, you believe it, and you act on it, you can walk in a new way. And, and it's not just a temporary fix. And so here, uh, he said, just like this woman, he said, you know, you guys are in this place. Verse 22, therefore, you now have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice and your joy no one will take from you. Now, that's a pretty good promise. He said, listen, you're going through a bad time, but you're going to come through this, and then not only are you going to have joy for a week and a half or a month or six months, he said, you're just going to have it. And, and it's not going to change. And he said, and in that day, notice this, verse 23, and in that day, so we know he's not talking about next Friday. He's talking about a time span, and this time span would not end. Right? Because he said, nobody will be able to take your joy from you at that point. This will not change. And he said, and in that day, notice right there in verse 23, and in that day, you will ask me nothing. You don't pray to Jesus. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you will ask the Father in my name, he will give you or give it to you. Until now or up until this time or this day, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. One thing that will perpetuate joy in your life is answered prayers. And he told us how to get it. But if you notice there, he said, in that day, there was a new day coming and a new day dawning. 
And, and I believe this, in the process of life, there are new days, times, and things like that that come to people for various reasons. People move, and a new day or a new era starts. Situations change. Certain things you do, if you obey God in certain areas or persist in certain areas in a right way, you can be sure a new day will come to you. There are varying things in the Bible that tell us how to individually get a new day. But do you know the Bible also teaches there can be a new day for a church? And, and so let's look at a couple of these things. You, you with me? Everybody's awake? Okay, just making sure. If your neighbor's not, just elbow him. If you want, you can just elbow him anyway. Because so, somebody's like, I just kind of wanted to elbow them. I've been waiting all day to do that. Turn to Psalms 126. And you probably don't even feel like you're sinning when you do it in church, when you're told to just elbow them. We're going to look at two different verses here real quick, or a verse here, and then we'll go over to Galatians. The, the sixth cha- uh, we'll go to the Galatians, the sixth chapter, but here in Psalms 126, verse 6, uh, we'll begin in verse 5. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. Notice verse 6. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing. You know, you ever known to do something and it was the right thing? And, you know, kids may be more expressive about this, but they, they got to take out the trash. <laughs> got to clean the lawn, you know, clean the... <laughs> they got to clean their room. They cry and everything. But those are good things to do. Hopefully, as an adult, you don't do that going to work. <laughs> but you know if you stay with it, Isn't it true? If you stay with it, you get a paycheck at the end of the week or every two weeks or at the end of the month because you're doing something that brings a return. And he's talking about spiritually going forth. He's giving a natural, I believe, illustration, a person who has seeds. You know, isn't it true just doing the right thing pays off? We know that. But sometimes, you know, people feel like crying. Maybe some of you felt like that on the way to church this morning. Your body's like, ah! And you're like, no, this is right. It'll pay off. But he said, he who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seeds. Literally, it says bearing a bag of seeds is how it reads. You know, it reminds me, of the books, you know, when I was little that you would read, you know, that had the pictures. I was more into the pictures than the, the you know, if there was enough pictures, why read? And, uh, but, you know, the person, you know, working in the field with just the baggy clothes and they had a big thing in the front of them and they'd reach in and they would throw seeds out, you know. You know those pictures like that? That's what he's trying to say. He's not talking about Jack and the Beanstalk with five, you know, beans and he got ripped off and thankfully they paid off and he got a big beanstalk out of the deal. He's talking about somebody who's got a lot of seeds and he's continually going out and doing the same thing over and over again, just treading out the field, doing the right thing and knowing it's the right thing. You ever known the right thing to do and you went, everybody else doing something else and your body's like, come on. And you're like, no. And you got a crier on your hands and it's you. Right? But you just go, you know what? I got to do what I've got to do. You've got to be determined to do what you've got to do because it's right before God. What are you doing that when you're doing that? You're actually planting seeds. And so there's this picture of this person who's burying these seeds and he's crying, weeping. But then he didn't stop there. He shall doubtless come again with rejoicing. Why? Because he got done? No, 
because eventually it says he will come with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. When we were little kids in church, we used to sing a song, bringing in the sheaves, bringing in the sheaves. We are his disciples, bringing in the sheaves. I didn't know what that was. You know, it sounds like sheets, like you go out to the clothesline when you're little and bring in the sheets. But sheaves are gathered up like grain. You know, like you ever seen the pictures where they'll have a big stack of grain and they tie it up together in a bundle? So when he's talking about it, he's not talking about bringing back what you took out the same amount of seeds, but a lot more. And whenever you get a harvest, it's a new day. Why? Because everything changes. You've got a bunch of grain now that you can put in the silo. For what? To plant again, to make bread with to sell and get money, you get a return on your endeavor, your planting. And when we do what's right, we may not recognize it, but we're planting. When a church does what's right, we're planting. And God sees what we plant. And it's quite interesting if we look at some different verses. Notice this in Galatians, the sixth chapter. If you don't like where you're at, just stick with what's right and do what's right. And in time, your day will change. As people say, your ship will come in when you start doing what is right. But Galatians, the sixth chapter, is, is, is fairly similar to that. Notice verse 7. He kind of talks and clarifies some things and talks about there's two places to sow seeds. He said, do not be deceived. In other words, don't be tricked into believing a lie. Some people think what they do does not matter and they will not pay for it. right? You don't have to, you can spend all you want to financially. And when those credit cards bills come in, you don't have to pay for it. You're sowing. Self-control is also sowing. But we won't even talk about that because we want you to rejoice, right? No, but it's still the truth. But notice this. He said, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. You cannot mock God in this. You, you can't say it won't happen. It will never happen. Now, if you think payday is always on a Friday, you will be deceived. Because paydays in God are not, not always on Friday, but they always come. But they can come in a day or in an era or a time or in a season. Just like a farmer, he plants and payday does not come for him next Friday. But it could be 30 or 40 or 60 or 80 days, 90 days or however long, and all of a sudden it's, something's going to happen. And within months, all of a sudden, boom, it hits. And he starts being able to reap. Notice this. He said, don't be deceived. God's not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that will he reap. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit, so we have a choice where we plant and where we will harvest. That is good to know. He said, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life but and he said let us not grow weary while doing good for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart or literally faint and quit in our minds so think about it just like that guy who went out crying knowing what was right and did it and stuck with it he's teaching the same thing he said don't get weary while you do good because in time you will reap if you don't quit and cave in here's the other side he didn't give that admonishment to sowing to the flesh so quit and cave in and don't sow to the flesh 
so you don't have to reap. Right? I'm done planting in that field. I'm done living after that. I'm not because I don't want the payday that will eventually come. So I don't want that, so I'm stopping. You with me? If you stop watering your garden, it's going to start wilting. That's good when it's bad. But in the good area, he said, don't stop. He said, don't stop because, hey, it'll happen. It'll change. Now, turn with me, if you will, to the book of Revelation. Remember I said there are different ways to come into a new day? Sowing and reaping individually, but what about sowing and reaping as a group of believers? As a church? What about that? Is there something that God pays attention to in this area? Is there? Notice as we read some of those sowing and reaping, The sowing was not always in a cheerful state. It seemed as though there might have had to have been a little bit of pushing and uh, getting your will set to stick with it and to to continue on and to to persist and to, to stay after what was right. Didn't it seem like that? I mean, weeping, you know. Like if your team wins the Super Bowl, you're not going to weep unless you're just cheerful. And there'll be happy tears. But those were not like, oh, I'm so excited. I'm planting these seeds. He was probably thinking, I'd like to eat a couple of these. But what belongs planted, don't eat. Right? Because the Bible said he gives seed to the sower. But if I gave you a bag of sunflower seeds and you ate them all, but they were given to you not to eat, but they were given to you to plant, then you need to plant them for the sake of what you'll get in the future and what you can help in the present. But notice this in the book of Revelation. I find these letters to these churches so fascinating because they're really a viewpoint uh, uh, from God's perspective of what he sees, what he notices in people. I believe that these uh, messages here were given to local pastors in the churches. It says, you know, to the angel. But angel or angelos, you know, how it's written, literally just means messenger. If you know the story, it doesn't, if you read the whole book of Revelation, it doesn't seem practical that it was a literal angel but more the pastor of the church. say, why do you say that? Because Jesus appeared in this letter. You with me? And an angel appeared in this letter, and Jesus gave certain commands and told John things, and an angel did. Why would an angel or Jesus tell John to tell an angel of the church something to communicate with the people. You know, the Bible said, be careful to entertain strangers, for some have entertained angels unaware. Now, I believe you could entertain a literal angel and not know it. But at the same time, what if you're needing to be careful how you treat strangers because you could, if you don't treat them right, not be treating a messenger of God properly? You with me? I mean, there are literal stories. I remember hearing this story about a minister. They've gone to be with the Lord. They did, I believe, in the... 60s or 50s, but they had lost a child tragically, and they had a room, and they were very well-known ministers from down in the south, and they had lost a child, and they kept this room decorated for years, just, just you know, like the child still lived there. They had pictures through the house of the child, and 
setting in different places, you know, down the hallway and different things like that. And they just kind of lived not moving forward like they should. And one day they were at home, both of them were at home, and there was a knock at the door and a man standing there opened the door and a man in a, just immaculately dressed in a suit. And uh, he just, he just the, he said, these people said, he just walked in, walked right past him. They just went, huh? He walked through the house, went down the hallway, took and the, went right to everywhere there was a picture and just laid it flat, face down, just face down and put it face down. Took the pictures that were on the wall in the hallway, put them face down, walked out to the front door and took one step off and disappeared right in front of their eyes. Both of them said he vanished in front of our eyes. He didn't walk down the sidewalk. He disappeared. They realized our daughter, we need to recognize she's in our future, not in our past, and we can't just live like this. We need to really get our hands to the plow and really stick with this. Not that we don't keep memories, but we need to realize there's a lot ahead and we're just living in the past. They entertained an angel and didn't realize it at first. But I believe when it's talking about the angel here, it's just the word in the Greek messenger. Who's the messenger of a church? Well, a pastor should be getting direction from the Lord. And there's correction that's given. So John, at this time Paul, who started these literal seven churches, has basically been killed and is gone. And now, John is the last of the, you know, those beginning apostles, and he is older than the rest, and these are existing churches. He's on this prison island for his testimony of the Lord, and the Lord appears to him and gives him these words to go give to the messenger, which I would believe would be the pastor of that church to tell them certain encouraging words, correction words, foretelling words, different things like that. I mean, could you imagine having a guest speaker come and say, I just want to let you know some of you guys are doing this and some of you are doing this because the Lord showed me and he's pleased with half of you because half of you have been doing this. God deals with people. And that's what he did here. But in the book of Revelation, talking about a new day, that's what he told these people. It was real interesting. You know, we've been talking about persisting in doing well and staying the course of doing well because it'll pay off. That's actually what happened here. Notice this in Revelation 3, verse 7. And it says, And to the angel, or you could say messenger, of the church in Philadelphia, write... These things says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David. Notice he throws this phrase in, the key of David. The key of David. Jesus sits on that everlasting throne of David. But he has the key of David. In the New Testament, the Bible said, you know... Jesus, one day when he was preaching, he said to the religious people, he said, you've taken away the key of knowledge, and those who are, uh, you're not entering in, and those who would enter in are not entering in. Why? Because the key was taken from them. What was the key? Knowledge. When they didn't know the truth, they couldn't enter in, and these people were forbidding to give the truth, and so it was stopping them, and it was the key that got them in. Keys unlock things. Remember, Jesus took the keys of death, hell, and the grave, and then he said, I give them to you, and whatever you bind and loose or permit and allow. Keys can get you into your car when nobody else can get in there legally. I have to qualify that. Legally. Legally, with a key, you can get into your car. And if you found a key, not legally are you supposed to get into a car, but you could put it in and open a car. And he says here, just right at the beginning, he said, he who has the key. 
or the keys of David. The key of David. Then the next thing he says is, he who opens and no one shuts. I mean, Jesus can put a doorstop in front of a door that nobody can unwedge. And he shuts and no one opens. Working the door, working the door, working the door, working the door. We're talking about a new day. You can work to get in a door, but if the door cannot be opened by you, it cannot be opened. But he can open them because he's got a key. And now that he runs the kingdom, he can open and close any door he chooses. And there are reasons he'll open a door, and there are reasons he'll close a door. And what is a door? A door is a passage to a new place, a new way, a new thing. Right? I mean, it's nice being here right now. But if all these doors got locked... It might be funny for 10 or 15 minutes after the service as a joke that we're locked in here until I got to go to the bathroom. This, this ain't funny no more. Somebody's else like, I haven't eaten. I got to, I'm, you know, you know how people within 15 minutes of the end of service can suddenly start starving to death, like literally starving to death. You know, I got to get out. I'm starving. And what, what are they saying? I got to get out through one of those doors because they're a passage to something for me so I can get something else. Jesus said he has the keys, a key. He can open and he does open and he does shut and he opens them when nobody else can and he closes them and nobody can open them if he closes them. Notice this. Verse 8, remember, sowing and reaping could have a part to play. What we do with our life, I know your works. In other words, I've been watching what you've been doing. Do you think the Lord could have been watching what we've been doing for a while? Watching what you're doing? Because he sent this message and he said, I've been watching you. He sent this same kind of stuff to other people. I've been watching you. But here he said, I've been watching you. Somebody said, that's good. Others say, well, that's not so good. Thank God we can change what we sow. And he watches. And he said, I have set before you. He said, I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door, and no one can shut it. So if a door is open, pass through. Always know this about doors. They are constricting for the most part. You can't always take things from one place to another either. Some things have to be left behind to go into a new room. But don't be bothered because there are new things in a new room. And if it's a room that the Lord has opened up to you, I bet it's furnished. And I bet it's good. And I bet it'll be pleasing. And I bet it would be fulfilling. Because the path of the righteous, where would the path of the righteous go? The path of the righteous would go, I suppose, through doors if he sets them. And they're set before us. And he said, the path of the righteous grows brighter and brighter. So that would mean you're not going from something that was really good now into something that's bad. But when he opens the door, not one you stuck your foot in and made your way in. A door he opened... When you pass through, it'll be good. And the path of the righteous grows brighter and brighter. So an individual can go through a door, but can a church or a group of people go through a door? And could it mean a new day? 
a new way. Look at this. He said, I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door. And no one can shut it. That is good news. Because have you ever got somewhere and you're like, you ever follow through somebody through like into a gated community or into a certain place where the door or the gate opens and you're like, oh, hurry, 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 because I'm trying to get in too. You know, it's closing. And he said, look, I, I'll set this before you. And uh, nobody shuts these doors, and no one can shut it. For you have little strength, but you've kept my word. You've kept my word. You've done. You sowed and have not denied my name. This next part is what is on the other side of the door. What's in that new day for them? So understand this, there's a new day for individuals as they obey God, but is there stuff for a church? This was a church. Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan. Now, was there a literal synagogue of Satan? The synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews, I mean, this is the title he gave them, but they're not, but they lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet. He said, I'm going to, in this new door, when, this, when you pass through this new door, people who are doing their own thing and serving the wrong thing, I will bring them. Now, God uses people, but he said, I'll start bringing people. He said, I set before you an open door. Now, this, they had been working and were tired and didn't have a ton of strength, but they kept doing what they were supposed to do. And now, all of a sudden, there's a new door with a new day. And he said, you know those guys that serve the devil? You know, the ones of the synagogue of Satan. The guys with the pitchfork and the little horns, them, they're going to come. And they're not just going to come and harass you and be opposed to you. They're going to bow down and worship me in your church. And then here's what's wild. He said, they're going to worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you. People are going to say, listen. They're going to start coming and worshiping. They're going to change their life. And then they're going to go, man, God's doing something through you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves this place. He loves you, these people of this place. That's what he said. He said he's not just going to bring them. He said, and to know, they'll know that I have loved you because... You have kept my name or my command to persevere, and I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Man, this new door is going to keep them from some trouble that was coming. People are going to recognize the hand of God, and they're going to come to know God. And these were people who would not come before. And he said, this is in this new, through this new door, you could say, new day. God can change stuff in people's lives all over the place. Sowing and reaping, planting and harvesting. Isn't it cool that God can speak to an individual about changes and if you'll obey him, don't look at all the hard things. You may cry. You might think, where are my friends? Jesus said it like this. He said, nobody has given up lands, houses, friends, neighbors, children, on and on for the kingdom's sake, for me and the kingdom's sake, 
that they will not receive now a hundredfold in this life. Lands, brothers, mothers, fathers. I mean, you might had to have severed a relationship with a parent. They just said, well, if you're going to serve Jesus, then you're not going to be a part of our life. If you're going to do this, you're done. He said, if you'll follow him, he'll give you a hundred parents in return. Not to nag you, just a hundred parents. <laughs> you with me? It's like, I don't know if I want that, that blessing. No, in a good way. And he just said, anything you give up for the kingdom, if you'll just go for it, he said, in this life, you'll receive. But Because what had happened was there, the rich young ruler had been called out to just surrender his life and really go for it, and he couldn't. I should change it and say he wouldn't. He loved what he had more than he wanted to love the Lord and what the Lord said, so he chose his own way. And he went away sorrowful, the Bible said. Jesus was sorrowful too for him. But what was interesting, if you read the next part of the story, the disciples said, hey, Lord, we did what you asked him to do. We gave up all to follow you. And then that's when Jesus said, nobody gives up that won't reap if you really go for it. Because there are ways to have a new day in front of you. As a church, we could be there. As an individual, there's a lot of changes happening. We've had some things from God about that in prayer. And times, you know, just knowing things are changing. And they're good changes. And they're right changes. And so I believe not only are there changes in individuals' lives that you should expect good things in, but there are changes in the church. And we're going to watch it. And we'll just pass through the open door. And we'll be excited about it. You with me? I, I was going to read this. We, 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 have, we have a couple minutes. It's only five minutes after. I'm going to read this verse and we'll close with this. Amos 9.3. Back in the Old Testament there. Amos Obadiah. Jonah, Micah. Remember them? I just have to get there myself. But it's interesting, you know, when you get into a new room, a new place, a new day, it may not all start off just real fast. But I'll tell you what, it can take off real quick. And... Um, you know, there are stories like that, like when the prophet Elijah heard the sound of abundance of rain. It, he, he said, it's, it's happening, and then he told his servant, go look, and he didn't see it. And how many people say, well, I don't see it yet. If you look natural, sometimes you won't see it until you see it with your physical eyes. That's not how we're called to live. We're called to live by faith and to know what God's doing in our lives. And so that prophet was praying. He said, go back and look again. And he came back and said, ah, it ain't there. And he said, no. And he, he was giving commandments. You prepare. You go eat. You get your chariot ready. And he was telling people, do this because it's happening. And then they went and looked and said, I don't see it. He said, go look again. Go look again. Go look again. And then he comes in. When he finally does come back, he said, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand on the horizon. I've said this before. You know, you can cover the sun with your finger. So just because it looks small in the distance does not mean it's small. It's just perception right then. You know, one of the things when I moved here from Southern California that I thought was so wild is just the heat and what the sun can do here is so different than other places. You know, I, I was fascinated by the wildlife and everything, and I read an article, rattlesnakes can't even live 20-something minutes in the direct sunlight here without dying because of the sun. You know, and it looks just like some little small thing there. And he said, I see a cloud the size of a man's fist on the horizon. Well, then what was below the horizon was this massive storm that was brewing. 
and he knew it was coming, and there was a new day for them too. From three and a half years of where it was not the way it needed to be to now all of a sudden it's changing. You with me here? Amos. It was changing, and they watched it change in front of their eyes. It's a, that is such a fascinating story, but we won't, we won't go there. Behold, the days are coming. Amos 3, or 9, 13. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord. 9, 9, 13. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord. How many of you believe what the Lord says? If you believe him, you'll act like it's true. If you don't believe him, you won't act like it's true. We, if we believe what he said, we'll act. Take the faith you have in your boss, who's lost maybe, or your company, and put that kind of faith in the Lord, and you could be victorious. So what do you mean by that? Well, you don't know if they have money in the bank, and they'll tell you, if you work this week, we'll give you this. You don't know if they're broke, but you go, okay, I'll do that. And the Lord said, obey me. And you're like, I need to see something. <laughs> and your boss may go home and get drunk every night, may cheat on his wife, or maybe he's a good person, maybe he's whatever, but he ain't God. And I'm going to have you a check on Friday, guarantee. And you just work all week long without worrying, knowing if I'm working, I'm going to reap on Friday. You've got so much faith in that and in that system that you bought a home on a 30-year mortgage believing that every week you're going to have a check. Every week, I'm going to get a check based on one man's information that I'll pay you this if you come and work. And God has given us a book of promises. And we've already got 30 years of our life or, you know, 15 years of our life because we think we can work this system. And God put a system there and said, if you will trust my word and live in line with it, he said, it's good. But people trust their paycheck, trust their boss, trust the going and the doing there. What about the going and the doing with the Lord? There is a check that he's trying to fill out for you. I said, there's a check he's trying to fill out for you. what he was trying that's what he did for them in the book of revelation he saw it and he went okay they've been sowing they've been reaping they've been planting they've been sticking with it i can write this check here's a door that's set before you these guys down the street at the synagogue of satan they're not going to be there anymore they're coming here and they're going to worship me and they're going to recognize i love you and this is what's going to happen god's been wanting to write people checks Faithfulness doesn't always look popular at the moment, but the payday is wonderful. Isn't it true if you just miss work a bunch? They're like, well, I want to write you a check. We agreed on this at the beginning. You're on an hourly wage. We're going to work you 40 hours, and we're going to give you $100 an hour. They said, I'm rejoicing now. Well, it's bigger than that with the Lord. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get this check, I'm going to get this check, and your boss wants you to write the check. He just knows you've got to do what you've got to do, but if you keep missing, guess what? He can't write you that check. He already worked the agreement. He already said it. You believe the agreement. You believe it so much, you don't get disappointed at the end of the week when you only get paid for three days because that's how many days you showed up for. You know. You, you don't complain and say, You're unfair. You're unfair, and people do that to God. I can't believe you, and they've been sowing to the flesh. And he said, listen, I'll write you the biggest check you ever wanted if you'll just obey me. Do what I say. I'll see it. 
I'll fill it out. I told you if you plant, you'll reap. I told you if you do this. And here's an interesting thing, because we've been looking at sowing and reaping really in this story, not just on purpose, but it really is part of the program. Notice this. Amos 3, or 9, 13, he said, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes, him who sows the seeds. The mountains shall drip with sweet wine, and all the hills shall flow with it. Notice that. He said there are going to be people planting, and it's just going to get so prolific they're going to be able to outpick the planters. I mean, it's just going to be overwhelming. There's going to be so much coming in. People are going to be tripping over themselves, running over this one, doing that. When it's not that big of a harvest, you know, it's real easy to go down and pick nine things of corn. But he said it's just going to be such a return on this planting and reaping, you know, there's going to be people doing this on top of each other, and it's just going to be dripping. God sees what we do. He sees what you do. Think about it. If you want a new way, obey Him, and He'll put a door in front of you. But in the church, too, there is a door set, and God has good stuff for us. Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord, thank you for today, and thank you for your word, and thank you for your spirit. Thank you, Lord, for the changes that have been happening in people's lives. Thank you for the much increase that is happening here in so many different ways. Thank you, Lord, for your divine life and your ability working. Thank you for speaking to people in their hearts where they know where they're at on your timetable and what they need to do. And so thank you, Lord, for giving us all wisdom in this life and how to live this life with you because you desire the best for us and you desire the most fruitful lives in the kingdom possible. And so thank you, Father, for working in people's lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It's good to hear God deal with you, isn't it? You hear me talking, then have him deal with you, makes the message much better. When you go, oh, that was a wonderful message, but what did God deal with you about? That makes it much better. Because a fancy crafted sermon will only go so far. Then you get emotionally stirred, but when you know something inside from God, how life can be much better. Amen? Well, you guys ready to give into the kingdom of God? Sow into the kingdom of God, plant in his work. The Bible said, whatever a man sows, that will he reap. In Ecclesiastes, he, there's a story there about people who uh, observed the, the clouds and observed the weather. And it said, those who do this will not plant, and then they will not harvest. In other words, don't look at circumstances to act on what God has dealt with you about. Do what you know is right because those who observe the conditions, you know, isn't it true? How many people observed the conditions of the holidays and went, I'll start my diet after all the cake and pie? And where did that all go? It's all gone now. So is the resolution and everything else. You can't just observe the conditions. You just have to make a choice because you know what's right and go for it. Just period. Just go for it. And uh, go for it. Amen. Whatever he says, go for it. And I'm not just talking about tithes and offerings. I'm talking about your own life. Go for it. Live it. Go after it with God. That's where you'll find life when you're just all in. Amen? Well, Pastor Linda's got some announcements. She looks eager. It's her turn. Oh, offering envelopes? Yeah, I was thinking about other things. If you need an offering envelope, 
You can raise your hand. I know normally they get those to you as you come in the door. And also, you guys know you can give online. You can set up reoccurring giving and text giving and all that kind of stuff. And uh, we're reaping. And we are at a new day. Amen. Good morning. I distracted him with me trying to